0: Hey, Ben. Hey, Adam. Well, thanks to all of our listeners, we have sort of been courted by some networks to join. And we
1: are super excited to announce here before the episode today that we are joining MaximumFun.org. Pretty much the dream network for both of us, I think.
0: Yeah, like when we talked off mic about the idea of joining a network, it was really only about joining this one. Like... I know yeah. that gives away all of our leverage, business wise.
1: <laughs> but uh, like, fortunately, the ink is dry. So, <laughs> yeah. But if you don't know about MaximumFun.org, it's a network of comedy and culture podcasts that includes things like Judge John Hodgman, My Brother, My Brother and Me, uh, NPR's Bullseye, Jordan Jesse Go, Throwing Shade. Lady to Lady, Can I Pet Your Dog? There's so many great shows on this on this network. So if you are a fan of our show, I think the chances are pretty good that you would love everything else on this network.
0: Their network is so good. Like, I actually don't understand why they would want us on it. Like, <laughs> like yeah. one of these things is not like the other, and it's I us. I do
1: kind of feel like the other shows might be a little bit embarrassed to be sharing the airwaves with us. <laughs>
0: They are so great Like These are my favorite podcasts that I listen to That are on this network So I am super pumped to be a part of it
1: I am too And uh, nothing is really going to change with our show Other than you're going to hear Promos for other shows on the network uh, Peppered into the episodes Which uh, are always Really fun to listen to They're fun and funny And then you'll hear the maximum fun stinger At the end of the show And that's it
0: there are a lot of really cool podcasts and podcast net- networks out there, but I think very few of them do what Maximum Fun does. They are, they are sincerely making great show, and I'm happy to be part of it. You know,
1: we we uh, haven't done a lot of advertising on our show, but we've done a dab. And uh, <laughs> while while I think that it was a successful experiment for us and didn't detract from the quality of the of the show at all uh one great thing about being on a listener supported network like maximum fun is that you know we don't have any pressure to really lean into advertising you know we might still do an ad from time to time but that's not like the business model here it's it's more just about making something that's great and giving it away for free and the people that really like it can can help out monetarily if they want
0: totally like if if i were listening to a podcast and they opened with the news that they were joining a network i'd be like ah oh, fuck like it's going to be <laughs> it's going to be full of ads and my my favorite show is going to get ruined and i'm never going to listen again that is mm-hmm. not happening here like that's that's like the main takeaway it's it's going to be the same terrible podcast you've come to know and love <laughs>
1: <laughs> but uh two hosts that are even more excited to be doing it than than they were already
0: yeah absolutely our Biggest thanks to MaximumFun.org for having us on board, and uh, we look forward to a long, great relationship with them producing this terrible podcast.
1: Yeah, and we are sorry to all of the other podcast hosts on the network for what this does to your image.
0: (laughs) It's like... It's like we sat down at the cool table in the lunchroom and everyone else is getting up to leave. (laughs) This is the podcast equivalent of that.
1: Yeah. Sorry, guys. (laughs) Here's to the finest crew in Starfleet. Engage. Captain
0: Welcome to The Greatest Generation, a Star Trek podcast by two guys who are a little bit embarrassed to have a Star Trek podcast. I'm Adam Pranica.
1: I am Ben Harrison.
0: Ben, the episode we're about to watch today kind of creeped me out. How do you feel about it? Uh, I'm
1: just on a similar level.
0: It's yeah. hard,
1: hard to feel too creeped out right now because I am barbecuing and drinking a
0: beer. Oh, shut up, man. Yeah. I would... There's nothing stopping me from doing that. No, nothing. You, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna go off mic and run to grab a beer, and then I'm gonna be right back. You're gonna hold down the show oh, for me. So so
1: I gotta vamp while you're
0: yeah. <laughs> while you yeah okay. upstairs. I, th- <laughs> I think this should only be like like 15 seconds. Okay. Okay. The, okay. Okay. Okay.
1: Go, go, okay. okay. Um, you know, while Adam is away, uh, I should tell you that. I have half a mind to open this box of Star Trek cards that he bought for me uh, on air today. I don't know if he's going to have his handy when I spring that on him, so he might, be, uh, he might be forced to pop up and run and get those as well later in the show. Uh, and I'm back. Oh, okay. Hey, hey, hey.
0: And I've got a beer.
1: Oh, that sound effect proves it.
0: Oh. That's nice.
1: Oh, that's uh, nothing more refreshing than a nice cold beer and a Star Trek podcast. Hey,
0: guys, what have you been talking about? Oh, nothing. Okay. (laughs) That'll be a fun surprise when I go to edit the episode. (laughs) This is becoming a speech. You're the
1: captain, sir. You're entitled. Hmm. I'm entitled to ramble on about something everyone knows. So the Enterprise is uh, once again on a courier mission. Yeah, so this is like a key, a key kind of mission that the Enterprise is stuck with. Is like we need w- some stuff to get from one place to another place, and the flagship of a fleet of thousands of ships is going to get stuck with this
0: with this duty. They're kind of like the Uber XL, right? Yeah. Like the really the best Uber you can get mm-hmm. is what you call for a, a transportation mission like this one. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Congestion pricing? Don't mind if I do.
0: Three <laughs> <laughs> X scarves is the surge price for the flagship of the Federation.
1: Oh, oh, geez, that's a lot of that's that will that is a uh, closet rating. I know. In a way that uh, only Tasha Yar could really match. <laughs> So, what's going on here is that there's some some aliens on a planet called Celus V that have been at war for centuries, and they are finally ready ready to uh you know drop them swords and pick up them plowshares and, yeah,
0: like the idea is the war has gone on so long that they've killed just about everyone. And, yeah. And and we're give we're supposed to understand that like they could kill each other into extinction here pretty soon unless peace is invoked. So there
1: is a legendary negotiator name of Riva that they uh they've petitioned the Federation to bring to them. They don't want any, any Federation meddling in these peace negotiations. Which I feel like is like why would anybody think that the Federation gives a fuck about your stupid planetary conflict? But
0: uh I would so much rather have a Federation mediator than Ginger Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: but, uh, it, you know, Worf is a little nervous about this guy. We've even negotiated several treaties between the Klingons and the Federation. Which should it seems like a strange position for Worf to have, given that he's a Klingon that lives and works in the Federation. But... Uh, but he does some some pretty funny grumbling about how...
0: Before him, there was no Klingon word for peacemaker. I bet uh, Riva introduced a lot of words into his language that they didn't have before. Like, uh, wedge salad. (laughs) (laughs) Beige. (laughs) (laughs) Khaki pants.
1: uh, yeah what what is the what is the name for the for the mustache hair that is like the center part of the lip that Klingons never grow?
0: Oh, uh, uh, the the Hitler stash part?
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, Riva Riva has lots of that, and I've never seen a Klingon with any.
0: Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I mean, so they they beam down to Riva's planet to meet him, and it is like beaming onto. A mega church. It, is. <laughs> it it's totally got mega church vibes. It's got big columns and stained glass and what have you. And what really ices the whole cake here is that Riva himself is is wearing silken robes. Uh, he's got that look about him that there was a buddy of mine when I was growing up, and his parents had like the the oil painting of Jesus in his basement, like with the with the eyes that seem to follow you around the room, right. Like, Riva looks like an oil painting, and I was really creeped out by him, to be honest. Ginger Jesus knows your secrets. I just feel like...
1: He looks into your soul. I just feel like you have to be real suspicious of a guy who, when you first enter his house, he comes out and silently, like, nods at the three people there. And then we should <laughs> say it's Picard, uh, Troy, and Worf. Yeah. And then goes and stands on a, on a podium... So yeah. that he's elevated above them, which is like, I'd be like, all right, fuck you. Like, you can't negotiate shit. You are so fucking full of yourself.
0: Yeah, if, all, if you're all about the cult of Riva at that point, like, how is anyone going to respect you enough to uh, mutually work on a piece between each other like that just doesn't make sense yeah. maybe maybe the way that he makes peace happen between warring cultures is their mutual hatred of Riva himself <laughs> like they'd be at a they'd be at a diplomatic meeting like god this Riva guy's a huge dick huh and the other guy's like yeah I know oh man we're more alike than we thought
1: he finds that one small scrap of common ground that they have and builds on it
0: <laughs> yeah, this guy really is a genius
1: um so 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 Riva is wordless when he first comes in and then uh three weirdos in in white robes uh join him and uh we've got a another like oil painting looking person which is a red-headed <laughs> uh lady and then we've got a a guy who is like if it's possible even more sexually magnetic than Riker with like a uh, kind of like a jerry curl and then a guy in like and like he's a sexual supermagnet. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah. Su- Superconducting sex.
0: The kind that kids aren't allowed to play with because if they swallow them, they'll just tear up their insides.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean <laughs> the the FDA was right to recall this guy. And then uh, and then a guy in like a beret with with a kind of a chip on his shoulder. And uh these are Rivas Chorus. They represent by turns, the unifying spirit, the sexual warrior uh aspect of his personality, and the artist poet aspect of his personality, which uh i got I got pretty jealous thinking about what it would be like if my personality had a sexual warrior aspect to it i feel like I feel like I gotta go back to the personality shop for an upgrade
0: it made me wonder like if you have if if the only way you can function in the world is to have a chorus uh you know profess all of these things on your behalf yeah i mean is is sexual warrior guy like taking out your dick <laughs> and and putting it in people yeah like how much help does sexual warrior guy provide i don't know
1: i mean he's definitely shaking you off when you use the urinal so uh it is explained Uh, by Riva via his chorus that he is deaf and he has this telepathic link with his chorus where they hear his thoughts and interpret them into sounds and then, you know, he receives the responses, I guess mostly by lip reading, but also through them. Uh, and, uh, And this is like a normal situation for members of the ruling line of his planet which uh appears to be humans but um i guess not like they're somewhat telepathic uh he he's
0: yeah we don't get a clear explanation really yeah
1: he's on to uh troy being telepathic early and uh and put, put in the moves on her often i would say
0: yeah you can tell because his interactions with troy are primarily using the dick valet
1: yeah, yeah. Everybody else clams up.
0: At times like this, we become an encumbrance.
1: And uh, Jerry Carl Dick Valet <laughs> starts, starts speaking. Being with you here now is provoking an emotional revelation. Troy's like, "How come? How come this guy's the on- the only one that talks to me?" <laughs> At
0: one point, how come this rando has an erection? <laughs> and uh, I mean, we're joking around here, but Troy seems down. I'd like that.
1: No oh, yeah she's um the more she sees of Riva, the more down she is.
0: It wouldn't be the first time that she's fooled around with several people in the room. I mean, if you're in a relationship with Riker for any period of time, I think he's gonna take you on some adventures
1: he's gonna uh yeah. help you build some mef- some memories like a uh <laughs> like the low mileage pit woofy you are
0: <laughs> He's gonna spin that odometer <laughs> um.
1: So they beam up, they uh, head onto the bridge. Picard introduces Riva around.
0: Yeah, all 7 of them get on the bridge. This is something that I put down in my notes that was really interesting to me was, do you remember how small the turbo lift felt when it was just Wesley the boy? And Picard? Yeah. A couple episodes ago. How do you cram 7 people on there? I think that's why we don't get an interior shot. Much like a Mini
1: Cooper. The uh, yeah. <laughs> the uh, the turbo lift can house more clowns than you think. <laughs> Riva is very interested to meet Jordy in a way that I almost felt like he was going to divert his sexual attention away from Troy and right. pour it into Jordy. Yeah, because Jordy, uh Jordy's visor uh, Riva likens to his chorus and is uh, is really pleased that Jordy is you know, not ashamed of his disability or in any way, you know, doesn't feel in any way limited by it.
0: Um, yeah, this is one of the many times in the episode we are told that everyone is special in their own way. You are special. It's a pretty clear theme throughout that that uh, I'm okay and you're okay. Yeah.
1: Are you, are you saying that Riva sh- might as well have just been passing out participation trophies? <laughs>
0: Yeah. Yeah, and that's what he's doing in touching everyone's chest as they as he meets them. Yeah. That's another uh form of introduction for him. He
1: didn't do that to Troy though. I guess he's saving that for later.
0: Yeah, I guess so.
1: Um because at the end of this scene he basically asks permission asks Picard's permission for Troy to escort him around the rest of the ship and Picard definitely like you know, it's it's like a uh, sexual predator to sexual predator, Picard kind of gives him a <laughs> wink and is like, all right.
0: Would you have a seat right over there, please? <laughs> I see what you're trying to do, and I like it. I,
1: I fully respect this. It is the guiding principle
0: of a star-beating base. Now you can't find it within yourself. Just stand up tell the truth. You don't deserve to wear that universe. All right,
1: so they get to this planet that has uh, Soleus V, the the war planet, and, uh, and they... Uh, they pick like a a piece of high ground that they're going to beam down to the uh the the aliens the indigenous aliens that are at war with each other are immediately pissed off because Picard deigns to radio them up rather than having Riva make the first uh contact like they're they're
0: like we don't want to talk to anybody that isn't Riva. <laughs> and, uh, I'm, that impression was spot on by the way. Yeah.
1: These are these might be the dumbest aliens that uh that the series has to offer. They're like nothing but ersatz Klingons. The the way the actors uh were told to play them is is like as sniveling as as Ferengi and as stupid as the stupidest Klingon. Like they're just they're just so unimaginative as a, as a as a species.
0: And they totally look like a, uh, a rubber mask malfunction. Like, yeah. It looks like they didn't want to throw out the first version of the Ferengi face piece. Right. Like, and so they decided to just recycle some of their melted plastic parts. Yeah, that, the,
1: uh, they, uh, they set down like a Klingon mask next to the kiln and it melted. And they're like,
0: oh shit! Oh. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, let's not just throw it away. Certainly there's uh, something we can do with these.
1: Good enough for government money.
0: Yeah, they look real gross.
1: So Riva beams down with I think it's a what is it? It's just Riker and Worf and Riva and his chorus. Yes. And uh that's a that's a big group. Um but uh they they beam down to the top of this mountain and they're going to set up like the conference table where these aliens are going to sit down to negotiate this piece
0: yeah there's a fair amount of party planning in this scene right like they're walking around with Reva and he's like hmm let's uh stick the table there some
1: tiki torches over here
0: and yeah we we got to have some tiki torches on either side of this table yeah like we get a fair amount of storytelling about uh where we're gonna set up this scene
1: you know they haven't quite gotten to what the uh what the cabana is gonna look like because the aliens show up (laughs) And you know they come from opposite sides uh, onto the peak of this mountain. They got laser guns. Yeah, they got they've got some pretty rad ray guns. I ha- I have to say, like if I if I was a collector of memorabilia, uh, <laughs> I would be pretty happy to own either of the ray guns from this scene.
0: Yeah, if you happen to have a a set or pack of Star Trek cards. I think you'd be pretty tickled that one of the cards could be one of these Ray Guns. An autographed Ray Gun card, oh, yeah. for example. I think <laughs> Signed that, by yeah. the Ray
1: Gun itself. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, heard, I hear that the Ray Gun is going to be making appearances at Emerald City Comic Con next year.
0: Oh, jeez. I, uh, I think the Ray Gun appearance could only happen at Greatest Gen Con in oh. Fresno, California. <laughs> y-
1: you keep saying that, and, uh, and it might actually happen, Adam, and that terrifies me. <laughs>
0: If we could only get enough C-list actors from the show, I think that'd be great. Like, our panel would be hilarious. Do you think it's sort
1: of like film financing, where you, like, you get the actors committed by saying that you have the financing in place, and you get the financing by saying you have the actors committed?
0: Sure. It's it's a total uh, it's a total scheme, yeah. a pyramid scheme it's the same, of C-list actors. It's the
1: same way you get, like, two characters in a sitcom back together. Like, you send them each a note saying, meet me here at this time.
0: Yeah, you sort of reva your your actors, don't you? Mm.
1: We should probably cut this out so that uh, you know Denise Crosby and uh,
0: and them don't don't hear it and get wise to our scheme. Let me tell you something: there is no fucking way Denise Crosby will ever a respond to us <laughs> for such a request, or b actually go to Greatest Gen Con. It's not going to happen. She's too big anyway. Yeah, like uh, like she's too big of a star we're 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 talking about the Argyles of the world here okay
1: we're talking about that uh that helmsman that that bought it in uh in the where silence says lease episode
0: that's right yeah yeah like could you imagine just a 2 hour panel with that guy oh man talking about that scene i would love that so much i have so many questions my, my love is a
1: Don't make your cool, creative project captain's eyes only. Head to squarespace.com slash scarves for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use offer code SCARVES to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain.
0: A good time so often has a downside, doesn't it? Especially when it comes to stuff that you put in your birdie. We've all been hungover before. I mean, many of us have, I guess. Or we've had too much jazz in our gummy. And that sucks, right? Because you don't think about the time after the good time that you've been trying to have a good time. That's why I like Lumi Labs so much, it's the predictability. Through painstaking trial and error, I have found my perfect dose. It's what I can depend on when I can use a little more chill, a little help getting into a creative headspace, and I don't need to have too much fun doing whatever it is I need to be doing. And I'm so glad that Microdose is available nationwide. That means just about anyone can try it. To learn more about Microdosing THC, go to Microdose.com and use the code SCARVES to get free shipping and 30% off your first order. Again, that's Microdose.com and the code is SCARVES.
1: Back for another game. You know it. What's going on?
0: Just one more week till Max Drive.
1: (laughs) Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op,
0: stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly incredibly fascinating.
1: Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app
0: and at maximumfun.org.
1: So uh so these aliens show up and uh one of them has like a lackey and the lackey's like each there's like two kind of like alpha aliens and then two beta aliens, and the mm-hmm. like the so the alphas each have a lackey who's like a little bit more stooped over in Planet of the Apesy and uh and one of them is like, "No fuck peace, fuck everything ah! starts like blasted away with his ray gun, and wouldn't <laughs> you know it? He manages to score a single shot that takes the entire trio of chorus members out in one go so
0: yeah and his ray gun is set to gore because <laughs> yeah. the way these people die is is terrifically awful yeah. like we, ha- we haven't sort of- we
1: yeah. haven't seen this much gore since conspiracy and or nazis looking at the ark of the covenant
0: yeah it's like all three bodies have been put into a giant microwave and then melted in two seconds yeah it was great good effect good effect
1: uh, the the only uh downside of this effect is that they had them kind of uh you know throw their hands up in despair and then froze them in in one specific position so they could match up the like digital skeletons that that yeah, they come in yeah. and uh and it's it's a little bit of a silly pose that they that they meet their end in.
0: You don't want to go out like that, nah, dog. Especially when you're the dick valet.
1: No. So Worf and Riker like leap into action, get Reva beamed back up onto the ship, and, uh, you yeah, know. Yeah, they
0: do that thing where, like, when a diplomat, had, where where an attempted assassination has happened, where they, like, they actually surround yeah, they, him. Yeah, they,
1: they, like, they they hug him close and then they beam him up. Throw themselves in front of the bullets. Um, yeah. And they beam him up, uh, just after the, the alpha alien whose lackey, ha- he has just killed, uh, says... He, he doesn't represent what we wanted to do here. He's a traitor. Come yeah, back. That sounds a little
0: bit Cosby to me. Yeah. <laughs> you got to come back down here, <laughs> Rudy. There's no proof that I did anything
1: to anyone. I, I'm America's <laughs> father, Theo. <laughs> <laughs> that, my my, Cosby is getting worse and worse as time goes on. I disagree entirely. <laughs> So they uh, get back on the ship. Reva is pretty verklempt.
0: Oh, he's pissed, and you can tell he is because his hand gestures are spasmatic, and uh, he he is basically screaming with his hands. Yeah,
1: he's, uh, he's made himself as incomprehensible as he can possibly make himself, and um, I think that uh, in, you know, like there's before they beam down, there's a scene where he and Troy have a uh, have a nice romantic dinner Together and Cacavale is asked to leave at a certain point, so they they just kind of have established like the most basic sign language communication between each other.
0: Yeah, it's basically Riva making an OK sign with one hand and then like repeatedly pointing his the finger from his other hand through the O.
1: Yes, and then flipping it around and poking it through the backside to show that he'd be down for some butt (laughs) stuff too.
0: and Troy's doing that thing where she like flicks her cheek, like and makes it makes the bubble sound, which I can't do. Like, but like Cameron in uh, Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Yep, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's they just descend into like a seventh grade lunchroom situation. <laughs> well, uh, unlike
1: Cameron, who uh, is nearly catatonic at the end of Ferris Bueller's Day Off uh riva is is rip shit pissed and uh doesn't care who knows about it and they're like they're kind of at an impasse because riva can't conduct this peace negotiation because he can't communicate with anybody
0: you can't fuck without a cock valet right
1: <laughs> yeah picard puts data on learning some uh some some sign language so that he can you know, potentially interpret for Riva. So there's a great scene where Data, like, gets on the computer and kind of, uh, he's looking at, like, the dirty hand signal Kama Sutra for, for, like, you know, he, like, puts it on accelerated speed the way he he likes to, and uh, he learns all the tricks. And, um, And then they have some scenes with Riva where Data is interpreting for him. And I think these are, like, pretty great scenes because... Reva's making the argument that Data cannot convey the kind of emotional nuance of of language uh, by interpreting for him. And Data is kind of like forced to convey this message as, uh, you know, and, and, and Data is such a great character for this because he takes everything at face value and doesn't like take anything personally. But at the same time, he's like sort of being forced to communicate his own limitations Uh, Mm -hmm. On behalf of somebody else Yeah, yeah It'd be like if Dr. Pulaski wrote up a manifesto And Data had to read it out loud
0: Yeah, that'd be really embarrassing
1: Yeah Not as embarrassing as having a Star Trek podcast, Adam
0: My name is Mr. Data (laughs) I am an idiot (laughs) I don't know anything about humanity I am terrible At being on the holodeck.
1: My asshole friend, Jordy, almost got the ship blown up by Moriarty.
0: Dr. Pulaski is a great doctor.
1: And very easy on the eyes, given her advanced age.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Dr. Pulaski could be sexually active if she wants to be. (laughs) She just doesn't want to be.
1: (laughs) It's not that she doesn't want to be a sexual icon, it's that she chooses not to be.
0: So, uh, in a very short amount of time, Data knows sign language. Yeah. So they, uh, so they meet up with Riva in the conference room to prove this.
1: Riva's a, uh, he's like going through all the stages of grieving and kind of an accelerated rate, but he is, you know, he's not at, at acceptance mode yet.
0: Because uh, Data shows off all his fancy signs, and Reva's like, no, fuck that. Like, uh, I just watched my entire chorus get killed. Uh, I'm not really interested in doing this this diplomacy anymore. I'd actually like to go home. Like, can you just take me home?
1: Yeah, I want my mama.
0: Yeah, he's real sad.
1: He's super sad. And then, uh, and then Troy kind of whoops his ass. She's like, hey, listen, like you you know she she goes she goes in into into his quarters and says like i'm going to i'm going to make a pass at, at trying to get these aliens to stop lasering each other to death and i just want some <laughs> like some pro tips like give me give me like the the top 5 hot tips of a intergalactic negotiator and reva is like you know there's not like a trick it's fucking hard work and it's hard work because you have to get people communicating, you have to get them to find a small piece of common ground and start communicating with each other about that, really listening to each other.
0: Do you think Reva's so pissed because, like it stated earlier on in the episode, he has never not made peace between two warring factions. Like he has a perfect record yeah. for being a, a diplomat and he lost his first one. Troy is like, it happens to everyone, man. Right. You gotta get back in the game. Do you think that's, that's the main issue? Is that, like, his pride is hurt? Or is it actually that he's grieving his, his dead chorus? I don't know. I sort of felt like uh, there were two different things at play here.
1: Well, it's a bit of both. I mean, like, he's not doing the show-must-go-on type of, type of math here. He's, he's like... He's,
0: he's not hearing George Zipp's uh, encouragement <laughs> in his mind. Excuse me, Doc. I've got a plane to land. Before going back out and, and winning the big game.
1: No, yeah. <laughs> uh he's just he's feeling real sorry for himself. He doesn't uh you know, he's he's in a, a totally that was new... another two percenter right there. Yeah, yeah. The, uh, <laughs> I think every episode of this show we make one joke that only three <laughs> listeners will, will understand.
0: You've won a contest if you get that reference. <laughs>
1: He sort of tries to kick her out by saying, like, listen, like, this, this is a game of turning weaknesses into strengths, and it's just, it's not for the faint of heart. And she, she goes, hey, why don't, you've got a weakness right now, why can't you turn that into a strength?
0: She's like, I've been turning soft into hard forever. <laughs> you forget who you're talking to. <laughs>
1: I know from weakness, I know from strength. And he starts, like, you know, nodding, he's like, oh, shit. That's kind of he interesting. He's
0: starting to hear the Notre Dame fight song in his head. Like, <laughs> yeah, all right, I can do this. Oh,
1: word. And uh, that kind of that inspires him to go back down. And so uh, he beams down to the planet, and uh, they replicate the triangle table and the tiki torches that they were uh, trying to get, get ready for this other party. And uh, This
0: is a new location for this summit, though. I don't know if you noticed this, but when they first transported down... They've returned to anybody Canyon. Anybody! The canyon where uh, Riker walks off to the ledge and screams anybody. I, I was I, I definitely felt like it was
1: a similar similar set. You're thinking it's the exact same set.
0: I'm thinking it's exactly the same. It's a different color psych and like just a different yeah. sort of color scheme to the whole thing.
1: They've graded the rocks a little differently,
0: but it's anybody Canyon. Yeah.
1: Um, yeah, we should say that this is like we are. We've fallen back off the wagon when it comes to exterior sets. It's just another fucking dusty gray styrofoam planet.
0: They once again just sort of set up the scene with a table and a tiki torch, and they sort of this time they radio up to Jordy to like get stuff sent down, sort of like Jordy's working at a Pier One. <laughs> like, like, can you just send down some wicker baskets and uh, and a triangular table and a couple of tiki torches? And sure enough, the table's set, and that's sort of like uh, that's sort of like the end of the episode, right? The table's set. Reva's like, "I'll take it from here, yeah. guys." Yeah. And uh, and Troy and Worf and Riker beam back up. I am the cutest of all. There are
1: four lights. We've skipped over one scene because it really like has nothing to do with the plot, but uh, that is in fact the end of the episode. This, uh, this one scene we've skipped over is Jordy takes a visit to sickbay and talks to Pulaski about his visor and having it replaced with ocular implants. She's saying, like, you know, we can, we can put in ocular implants that look like eyes, but they're, in fact, mechanical. You'll lose about 20% of what the visor is giving you as, as far as, like, as far as visual information. Um, the other thing we could do is regenerate your, uh, optic nerves and replicate you some brand new eyes and we'll just pop those right in. And he's like, I, that's not possible. I've like, as far as I know. And she goes, I've done it twice. I know what I'm talking about. And, uh, Jordy is kind of confronted with this crazy choice of like, you know, going to a natural set of eyes and losing this amazing advantage that the, that the visor gives him if I'm remembering correctly, I feel like he decides, uh, he doesn't really reveal what his decision is going to be. Like it, the scene sort of leaves it as this is something that Jordy's going to have to have to meditate on.
0: I think this is the first time that we're introduced the, to that tension with him because up until now, I never got the idea that Jordy wanted to be free from the visor or wanted to be Uh, wanted to have human eyesight or whatever like his interaction with Armus was shitty because his glasses were knocked off of his head and he was temporarily blinded like there there are drawbacks to his way of living but in the same way that data always expresses that he wants to be more human you don't really I haven't up to this point really gotten that read off of Jordy that he's like god this visor sucks like no I would I would love to be out of this thing but this is the first time he's actually given that choice
1: yeah, so it, it was an interesting scene But uh doesn't really go anywhere It doesn't really have any bearing on the episode And doesn't wind up being its own plot It's just kind of like dropped in At the end of yeah. the, toward the end of the episode Like, I feel like they just needed some time to pass And they were like, oh, hey, well, I don't know You know, we're talking about disability here Like, let's uh, let's drop this in
0: It's also the first time that I think we are to understand that Pulaski is anything more than just a total asshole. Like <laughs> like she she demonstrates some competency, some like some she's compassion. done a special thing medically. Yeah, she she shows some compassion for someone else, anyone else. Like this is sort of a turn for her too.
1: Yeah. That's a that's a great point, Adam.
0: As you were watching the episode, did you find yourself a drunk Shimoda?
1: Drunk Shimoda! Shimoda. I sure did, Adam. Um, Drunk Shimoda is our award for a character doing doing something funny or or ridiculous, uh, much like Jim Shimoda, our favorite character from episode two of the series. I'm giving Picard the Drunk Shimoda Award for this episode. Uh, Right at the beginning of the episode, Picard gets on the turbo lift with Commander Riker, and he's heading for the transporter room to go pick up Riva and... Riker's like, I don't, I'm not, I'm not in love with the fact that you're going on this away mission, and Picard, (laughs) Picard says, Cluck, 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 number one.
0: Sir, you're being a mother hen.
1: I just thought that that was such a funny way of putting the role that Riker plays with keeping Picard off of away missions, that, uh, (laughs) that, uh, uh, I, I just couldn't help but, but award Picard the drunk Shimoda for that.
0: He's clearly more of a rooster, that Riker. Mm-hmm. For me, like, I couldn't, I couldn't stop thinking about the whole idea of a chorus for this guy, Riva. And, like, could you imagine interviewing for that job? Like, <laughs> like look, we have three positions open. Uh, why don't you just tell me a little bit about yourself, and we will tell you, like, which element of the chorus you'd be best at. <laughs> <laughs> so I imagine they like they hire they hire the philosopher first because that's probably a pretty easy demonstration of like you know mm-hmm. uh, learned intelligence and look philosophy. great in a, in a beret. Sure. yeah, like that's that one seems most easy to be discerned like like from probably even a, a paper application. Like, yeah, you could, like, you
1: could use a multiple choice test to find that that person.
0: Or like a resume. like, yeah, this guy's this guy's great. He's gonna be our smart guy and the woman uh she plays she plays sort of the the emotional tension like the idea of maybe she's the form that all three of them take in one like she's sort of the glue that holds the emotional and the and the intellectual together and that leaves the cock valet like what are you what are you told if you're interviewing for that job I feel like that guy is cast on looks alone like if you're him you're like so tell me a little bit more about this job i'm applying for all it said was chorus <laughs> And I imagine Reva or someone, you know, doing the interview in Reva's stead is like, well, uh, the position we're applying for involves touching a lot of penis. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, at all times, you must just seduce whoever Reva finds attractive. (laughs) Like, and he got that job. Yeah. To me. And kept that job. Yeah yeah he's had it for a long time clearly clearly he is very close to riva and for me dick valet and become drunk shimoda because he's a dick valet like the the very idea of that is ridiculous to me (laughs) that's my drunk shimoda
1: good one i I feel like i retract
0: mine
1: (laughs) in support of yours
0: dick valet job interview (laughs) i am the cutest of all you will respond to my questions I am Lacuitus aboard. You are Borg. What do we have coming up on the next episode?
1: The next episode is episode six of season two: The Schizoid Man. A brilliant but terminally ill scientist seeks eternal life by transferring his mind into Data's body. Do you remember this one, Adam?
0: Uh, not at all. No. I feel
1: like this is another uh, plot vehicle where uh, Data is not who he seems to be and uh i feel like we had that in the last season so i'll be curious to see how they uh how they make this at all a different episode
0: they don't seem to learn anything whenever data poses a threat to the crew like they don't change how they treat data at all no they they sort of i feel like they should give him a shock collar of some kind like <laughs> <laughs> like if he ever gets out of line like it just cuts his head off or something
1: yeah yeah would be nice
0: well uh, maybe we'll learn a little bit more about that on the next episode.
1: Let's hope that we do. <laughs> uh,
0: if you ever want to talk about this episode or any other, you can reach out to us on Twitter uh, using the hashtag GreatestGen. You can also find me and Ben there. I'm at Cut for Time, and he's at Benjamin R, A-H-R.
1: We should thank Dark Materia for our theme music, and uh, we should also say go to www.gach.biz for today's episode and all other episodes uh, you can also email us at drunkshimoda at gmail.com
0: yeah we've been getting a lot of fun emails lately so thanks for that
1: yeah thanks for emailing us
0: I think that just about wraps it up Ben that was uh, that episode was kind of creepy as hell to me
1: yeah it was a creepy episode Adam uh, hopefully the next one is less so but I don't have a ton of hope for that
0: <laughs> there's a baseline level of creepiness that I feel like we're getting uh, throughout season 2 so far it's nice yeah
1: Much creepier show than uh, Season 1. Yeah. Um, Well, with that, we'll be back at you next week with another great episode of Star Trek The Next Generation and another episode of The Greatest Generation also.
0: (laughs) Yeah, see you then. Bye. Bye. MaximumFun.org.